Johnny Boy, welcome back. Everyone, welcome back to the I'll Listen podcast. This is Gabe. With me always is John. John, we're back, and we are talking about some Stanley Cup qualifying games going on. How are you, brother? Great. Hockey in August. Who would have predicted that in 2020? You know, it's funny. So my birthday's end of July, and for a while I was like, holy shit, I might actually get some birthday hockey going on. That's never happened before, but nah, I missed it by uh, probably a week or so. Yeah, but still, you know what you had? You had some training camp news, which always, you know, tickles the undercarriage and uh, gets you going. And hey, we're going to have uh, summer hockey. You know, if you're a Met fan, well, you know, right there, you don't have to work. You don't have to work, focus about their uh, debacles on the field. You get to watch some Islander hockey. Absolutely. Hey, you had mentioned it too. Um, some good training camp news. Uh, Ilya Sorokin, the white whale, he is finally over. He is with the Islanders right now. He'll be wearing number 30. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It finally occurred. Um, the the enigma, the uh, missing piece, to, you know, I guess if the Islanders are a future in net, he finally gets over here after all the hype over in the KHL. Um, the Islanders get him uh, signed to uh, Bernie's uh, uh, first last year, the ELC. And then the next day, he signs a one-year extension, nice little uh, one-year, two, uh, two million thing, which uh, pretty much uh, signals the end of Thomas Grice's uh, career uh, with the Islanders. Whether, you know, I guess the thing to keep an eye on is if uh, how he looks in practice. You know, if the Islanders somehow can sweep the Panthers, gives them a little bit more time to uh, practice. Hopefully we start getting some good reports how he looks in that, you know, what the Islanders players say about him, if it looks like he could be the real deal. Yeah, it's good to see just that this has been something being held over Islanders fans' heads for so long. Uh, we thought this day would never come, so happy it finally did. Mm -hmm. And then we got some on-ice action finally. The Islanders played the Rangers in a tune-up exhibition game. Uh, big surprise there. A um, little bit of a lineup change on line number three. Ross Abbas goes in um, for what you would expect is a, a fight with Lemieux out of the gate. Uh, we didn't end up seeing him fight, but um, we saw that. And then we saw Barry Trotz dressing eight defensemen. Uh, the NHL stated you could dress an extra couple skaters. Barry decides to go with eight defensemen. And holy cow, did the defense look good that game? Uh, the... Uh... The main theme, I think, for this uh, this playoffs is going to be that everyone's healthy. And certain teams that um, had experienced some key injuries, look at the Islanders. Adam Pellich, Casey Zizekas, Cal Clutterbuck, Johnny Boychuk. Everyone's healthy right now. And there's other teams across the league that are having the same thing that maybe wouldn't be in the position that they are now had this season continued as is. But the eight defensemen... Um, Noah Dobson's going to be a star. I thought he looked very good with Andy Green. Yeah, even against a Rangers team that was was starting to peak at the right time before the uh, season uh, was on pause. Really going to have, it's going to be some key, some tough, I think, off-season decisions for La Morello about maybe freeing up some cap. It is, you know, maybe is a Nick Letty now expendable because of Andy Green? Is Johnny Boychuk going to be expendable because of Noah Dobson? The little things like that, you know, with sign, having to sign Taze, Pulak, and Barzell, you know, it does give them some a little bit of flexibility that maybe they didn't have before this. Yeah, don't forget they also gave Sebastian Ajo, uh, not the 
Carolina Hurricane Sebastian Ajo, but our defenseman, a legit shot during training camp too. So yeah. he's knocking on a door if Andy Green was just a stopgap and he's not re-signed to a contract. Uh, there's some depth within the organization that could come up and take a role. Correct. Correct. It's going to so, be... What's that? I was just going to say, I mean, we legit have eight defensemen that could capably and confidently play top four minutes under Barry Trotz's system at our disposal right now. And I mean, I'm, I've been so happy about it. You and I have been talking. I think I've sent you the, the message eight. I don't know how many times since uh, that yes. exhibition game, but holy cow, like that, that type of depth, especially with Johnny Boychuk, which we'll, we'll get into in a couple minutes. Um, I mean, it, you touched on it when Boychuk went down in the Carolina series last year, it was just kind of deflating once uh, Cal got hurt too. And he was playing, with uh, his back injury, I mean, it was, the Islanders were dead in the water right there. I don't think that's going to be the case with them going through the playoffs this year. You looked at last year's Carolina series and the loss of, loss of Boychuk, it put Thomas Hickey in, which really put the Islanders behind an eight ball. Um, this year, I don't think that's going to be the case because you either have Andy Green or if Barry feels comfortable with Noah Dobson and wants to keep that uh, left-right combo, you're not going to really... I don't think you're going to see a, really much of a missing beat. So if the Islanders do, you know, ex, you know, an unfortunate injury, you're going to have two guys ready to step in, and you're not going to have a noticeable drop-off. Completely agree with you there. So any other points from the, the first exhibition game against the Rangers that you'd like to bring up or talk about before we go on to game one against Florida? Um. Well, I'm off a little shaky at first. I think the uh, Sabons of Banajad, that little uh, flurry, kind of got him into, I guess, the mindset. This is what he needs to do if he wants to keep this net through the playoffs. Obviously, Thomas Grace has had great success in years past and even this season against Florida, um, capable of winning, a, you know, winning a best of five series. I thought the uh, power play unit with uh, Taze, Bavulier, Barzil, I mean, not Barzil, Bailey, for a start, I thought they've so far through two games have looked the best. They uh a little bit more puck movement. They're putting shots on net. And obviously you look at yesterday's game, power play goal from uh, Anthony Beaurier, you know, which is the really to me is gonna be the key for the Islanders this playoffs is their special teams more more importantly, their power play. Agreed. Yeah. I mean five on five, the Islanders are uh a team to beat, but it's really the the special teams that's been the Achilles heel for the Islanders for God knows how many years. So, yeah, I, I do agree with you there. So, game one, Florida, um, what'd you see? I thought, I, I mean, uh, we can talk about individual players, but it was the typical Islander hockey, the, the shutdown, just get the puck in deep, grind it. Um, a lot of stuff that we've been seeing from the Islanders since Barry Trotz took over and the, the system rolls on. That's more of what game one was. I thought in the, uh, they had a very dominant first, um, great for check. Tom Kunakel, uh, gets onto the third line with Broussard and Pajot. Ultimately a great for check leads to a goal, uh, started by Kunakel. Thought they had a real solid first period, uh, Playing the Islander hockey that 
when everything is clicking, yeah, they are a tough team to, to to attack, you know, to to really play against, which was very good to see. They needed a strong first, and they got that. Um, they go up one nothing. Obviously, then in the second, uh, Boychuk leaves with it on a on a questionable hit. Uh, definitely late. Point of contact was a was the head. This is the NHL. Uh, you have a better chance of predicting when things are going to be open in uh, New Jersey than you will if the guy's going to get a major for a head hit. But it was costly because Boychuk did have to leave the game. He did not return. Probably going to be questionable for for game two. So to the credit of the remaining five Islanders, they picked it up. They get a power play, go off the Matheson uh, penalty. They're up 2 nothing, And I was uh, basically curtains for, for uh, the Panthers. Yeah, so I... You and I were talking about this, too, and I kind of had a different view on the Mike Matheson hit. He definitely did follow through, bringing his hands up. Um, if you watch it in real time instead of the slow-mo, which the slow-mo's kind of pissed me off because it, it really doesn't give a, a live-action view of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it was within two seconds of Boychuk shooting. I mean, us growing up playing hockey, you're told to finish your check within that time frame. So I had no problems with the the time frame of the hit. It's really just the the follow through and coming up onto Boychuk's head. Hey, I mean, that's a, we grew up with that being a legal hit. That's something that the NHL is trying to get rid of now, but I had no problem with the hit at all. Um, you know, as a biased Islanders fan, I was hoping for the five minutes, um, just trying to objectively view it from like an arbitration standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would have been fine with a, a four minute double minor. Ultimately it ended up just being a, a regular two minute penalty. But um, I, I had no problem with the the hit or considering it a, a dirty play. No, I mean if you look at the old 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 NHL, it's a good hit. Boychuk maybe could have protected himself a little bit better, but he did not return, and his status, you know, is questionable now for uh, for Tuesday's 12 p.m. kickoff. Uh, I mean, under the current rules due to COVID, you're not. Yeah. You're not required to disclose any injuries, but nope. you saw Boychuk on the bench before he went back to the locker room. He's got a concussion. Yeah, he looked a little That's... bit uh, looked a little bit out. So, um, yeah. So it's going to be the question. Boychuk can't go. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Who gets the the nod for game two? Probably Andy Green, due to the fact that he uh, a little bit more of a veteran presence. Um, I I don't think you can even go wrong with Noah Dobson. But I think if you're going to prepare Letty with someone, I think you want a steady presence with Andy Green back there. Um, if it was any of the other guys, I think Dobson would get the start because just the fact if it was either Mayfield to go down or even Pulak, I think you'd see Dobson in there because he does add uh, a little bit more offensive ability to it. Plus, he's you know a hell of a skater. Yeah, you know, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if Letty came out of the lineup too and Trotch just kept the pairs intact and went with Green and Dobson in as that um, that 5-6 role just because they've been playing together as uh, defensive pairings. Wouldn't be surprising just to see uh, Barry try and keep pairs together rather than individually replace guys. If that happened, if that's that to me, that's more of an indication that... Barry um, 
has so much trust and confidence in Dobson because you you won't you know you know as maybe, you know as much as people try to you know I guess are down on Nick Lady for certain things to take him out of the lineup to put in Andy Green in his place and then with Noah Dobson kind of shows that Barry does trust Dobson and he's going to have a bigger role next year. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. So um, you would touch on the Tom Kunakel forecheck on the the JG Pajot. Um, hey, first Islanders goal in August ever. That was pretty cool yes. stat. Yes. And uh, JP, Pajot, uh, JP Pajot gets his, uh, continues his uh, playoff success. You know, gets I think the it's uh, JG Pajot, Jean Gabriel. Yes. What did I say? JP? JP. That's Parisi. Uh, I was probably Parisi's thinking of man. JP, uh, the guy who blew his hand, blew his fingers off with the fireworks. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, digits. Yeah. So, but, yeah, but uh, no, you know, get great four check again. That's gonna and that's the key to. That's gonna be the key to you know keeping on with hockey and any really any any type of team to have success is a good four check, and you know they had it. You know they came out they came out buzzing, and a great four check and you know Broussard and uh, Pajot, they they were having some some success even you know through it. Plus, you know, with that training camp allowing Pajot to get, you know, to understand the system a little bit more for Broussard to kind of take away that center responsibility that he maybe is not, probably still not used to yet. You, you know, that's a line that's going to be, it's going to have to help the Islanders win series because you can't just rely on the Barzell-Lee-Everly line. You got to have that second line, the Nelson line, the Pajot line. They're going to be the driving force for the Islanders to have any playoff success. Completely agree with you. You touched on a guide too, Broussard. I thought Broussard had an excellent game. His forechecking was incredible. The uh, I think I could count three, probably even more, maybe five, just turnovers that he caused in the offensive zone just from relentless forechecking and picking off passes by defensemen. He looked unbelievable. Um, it's times like this, playoff hockey, where you acquire guys like Broussard and Pacho, and they didn't disappoint. So no, we'll hardly it, agree. They they need to have an impact for the Islanders to move forward. I think it was on another uh, – someone had previously mentioned that there are some guys that just become playoff giants, and there are some that, that don't. And for others, say this is you – know, you look at Broussard. He's had some, some big game playoff success with the Rangers. Pajot, he had that uh, run with Ottawa when he went to – lost in the uh, – conference final a couple years ago against Pittsburgh. Uh, these are guys that are going to make their money right now. You know, Broussard's trying to, he's playing for another contract next year. He's only on a one-year deal. Um, you know, that success that he has, maybe that translates into something. But they're going to have to be, you know, whoever, whether it's Kunakel stays with them, whether it's Ross Johnston, who looks like he's going to be the uh, first guy up. Yeah, he might be. That's going to be your future Matt Martin role on the fourth line. I do think yeah. he gives a little bit more offensive ability than Martin, which you think about him when he was drafted. This is was, this wasn't a guy that you would expect to kind of transition into this. Credit him um, for his development, you know, even for himself and even the Islanders organization for developing a guy like this that he's going to be, you know, a fourth line guy that depending who he plays with, you know, could could chip in with, you know, I guess a few points. Yeah, his skating's come a long way. I mean, mm -hmm. he could skate in the NHL. He could play on a third line. Uh, he's more than capable. 
Yeah, but I, I'll agree with that. I think Johnson would be the first call-up guy um, to also have a guy like Andrew Ladden, whose veteran pedigree at your disposal is also really helpful. But I, I would expect if someone in the top six goes down, that Ladd would get more of a shot to take one of those roles. Yeah, so again, I think, I, I think that's more Barry taking a systematic approach to it and having specific guys to fill specific slots. Oh, yeah. That's why he gets paid the big bucks, and I just watch. Exactly, yep. That's why we, we criticize from our couches and from our microphones. Mm-hmm. But, but hey, um, looking forward to game two, I think the Islanders play on Tuesday, so they have two yep. days off, and then they're, they're back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, what do the Islanders need to do in game two to have success and just take a, a stranglehold on this series? Same thing as they did game one. Um, come out flying. Um, a quick start, maybe a quick goal, but then you know try to get up. If they can get up, maybe one or two girl, two goals. I'd say at least through the first period, maybe the midway through the second, just to put uh, enough pressure on Florida. You know, you saw you saw with the exhibition game against Tampa, they struggled keeping the puck out of it. Now. Tampa is a completely different team than the Islanders. They got a hell of a lot more firepower, but they also still didn't have Stamkos in that lineup as well. I don't think Kevin was playing. So, Borowski, uh, if he starts struggling, you know, you want to put a little bit of doubt in his head. You know, he did let a little bit of a uh, a five fall on the Bavulier go. So, um, game two is key. Islanders win that season. It'll be over on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't know about a sweep. Uh, um, that's wishful thinking. I, I think the Islanders are way deeper than Florida. Um, you made some points about Bob. I thought he had a great game. I mean, kept the so many. He he definitely kept a minute. I mean, there were two, maybe three, just point blank saves he made on Brock Nelson alone. Yeah, that would have put the Islanders up three nothing and just would have pulled the sails right out from under Florida. Um, the first goal, the the first and only goal that Florida scored, uh, right to start the third period, um, that was a little concerning. Uh, Pulak looked a little out of place. He just got caught in uh, at the top of the circle, lost his man, and it, it was just kind of a an easy goal for Florida to score. Um, I, I don't think we talked about that the breakdown in play there, but it, it looked like it was Pulak at fault there. Yeah, you think he made? I think he made the wrong read, and then they kind of let uh, just let the one guy just come in on, uh, just come I think in. It was Huberto you know, had, who scored, just walked in. Yeah, I mean, they had the numbers back, but I think they kind of they didn't ring it, read it right. Um, I you know I didn't like the fact that it was within the first minute that they uh, that they got the goal because that is a momentum boost to the other team. But the Islanders got back to their style of play and they uh, they held down the fort. I would have liked to see him to get that third empty netter because I would have hit the over on the uh, the uh, goals for. So, uh, but uh, no. Rest in peace, your a, checking account. Yeah, that nah, was only a small <laughs> one. So, um, but so b- before we go on, what do you need to see from the Islanders' top line, the Lee Barzell Everly line? Because I, I didn't think they had a bad game necessarily, but I didn't think they were that strong. And in order for the Islanders to have any success in this playoff, that line's going to have to be the the best line. They're going to have to contribute scoring goals. 
They gotta they gotta get a couple. Their to me, their biggest thing is on the power. Their when their power play unit is out there, they gotta score. And I can't even say they're the top power play right now. I'd have to go with the other one with the Taze unit because you watched in that exhibition game when they had the uh, when the uh, they went on the power play. You watched that first power play. There was a lot of quick passing and they were taking shots, which. As an Islander fan, you were always screaming about for basically the past two years, and maybe even more more than that, is too much passing, not enough shooting, and it's the you know good quality shots. Well, they that unit had it, and it, that unit had it yesterday. That's yeah, something right that, that the Barzell unit has to have. Um, but as for a line, listen, if they can st- if they can contribute with a goal, you know. That's really what you're looking for. You're looking for Barzo to kind of start taking over series um, because you watch his, you just watch his skating ability. I mean, he's just such an effortless skater. Um, He's got, you know, he can beat most defensemen and it just sets up, you know, the ability just to create space for others. Um, That's really, to me, you know, to them, they can, Probably get this series. They have a they have a great game Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be over on Wednesday. Okay, yeah, I, I'll agree to that. For me, I want to see uh, Anders Lee taking more of a physical role. Um, not to say he had a pretty soft game because I saw him throwing the body around and working the corners, but he's got to create some space for Barzell and Eberle to to move. And if you want to channel your 1980 Islanders. Uh, he needs to take on more of a Clark Gillies role while on a line with Brian Trotchy and Mike Bossy. Yes. I think that's a good analogy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, it's, you know, you, you, you're hoping Jordan Eberle refines his magic from uh, last year's first, from actually from last year's uh, playoffs, period. I thought out here, uh, he was one of the Islanders that actually stood out, uh, was, yeah. you know, had a great first, round, a great uh, opening round against the Penguins. He's one of the more noticeable ones in the second. So, you need him to kind of continue that. Hopefully, uh, Barzil gets a couple more points, and then Lee's gotta Lee's gotta be the guy that gets the you know gets all the dirty goals. You know, leads by example, makes the smart plays. I mean, uh, saw it yesterday, and I think Butch uh, Butch had a uh, comment on on it. You know, getting pucks deep, not turning it over at the blue line. You know, those things, those are mistakes against certain teams can come back to bite you in the ass. Sure. Yeah. Hey, um, I also want a couple other individual player comments. I am so sick of Josh Bailey passing up hits. I mean, when the Islanders play a game where you're dumping the puck in and forechecking, you got to lay the body. And the amount of just swinging sticks and not finishing checks really pisses me off with him. Yes, it was funny. You sent me a text at one point, and it was he actually just had a chance to blow a guy up. Um, yeah, you do. You, 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 at some point, you're going to have to throw the body a little bit around. Um, I mean, it's not even, I'm not expecting him to put anyone through the glass, but yeah. holy shit, just at least let the defenseman know that he might get hit. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you're back, if you're looking through the glass and you see 12 on the, on the arms, you flat out know, whew, I'm not going to get hit right now. And yes, man, like that's an easy way to break the puck out. And that that's, you can't have success in the playoffs with that. I, I mean, he's a skilled guy. Um, I still think he's an elite winger, but holy shit, finish a check in the playoffs. Yeah, he's gonna have to. That's I'm I'm sure that's probably something that they're gonna sit and probably 
continue to kind of, hey, listen, we got to be strong. You know, everyone's got to be stronger on the forecheck. Um, but, you know, he he seemed to found a home with Brock Nelson. You know, those two seem to yep. play to well, really play well together. And even Bo, uh, he looked like he's look he looks like a different player right now since, since this restart. Agreed. And, but here's the thing, even Bo, like he's not blowing guys up, but on the forecheck, he's using his speed and he's rubbing guys out. He's playing the body. And like I said before, when you have a guy like that, who's not going to light you up, but he's going to play physical on you. You know, there's a chance that, you know, you could catch a shoulder in the glass or through the stanchion or something like that. It plays a psychological role in your head. I mean, that that's key. Like, you have to have the opposing defense and know that, you know, hey, I'm going to be uncomfortable if the puck comes in here. And you just don't have that when you know you're on the ice against Josh Bailey. Oh, correct. Yeah. And that's something, again, that's they'll probably say, hey, and I'm sure they'll reinforce you got to be all you, you got to be stronger on the forecheck because it just makes it's going to make the, the polls of defenseman be a little bit quicker on his decisions when maybe he's not ready to. So I will obviously that's be something we'll have to watch, you know, during our uh, matinee on a Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's another 3 p.m. start too. Nah, uh, it's 11 o'clock for you. So if you're having a little brunch, you can have some brunch with hockey. Is it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, because I have Central Time. Um, yeah, so it's 11, 12 for me. So it's lunch, and then for you because it's 11 o'clock, it's brunch. Okay. I thought it was at three. E- either way, uh, nah, they got, check, check the NHL.com. They got the bone. They got the uh, the back-to-back nooners. So not like the high noons. But, again, if you want to have a high noon with your noon hockey, by all means, it's summer. Have at it. Yeah, you're right. Um, noon start time, 11 a.m. for me. Uh, good call about that, Johnny. Speaking of noon slash 11 a.m., depending on time zone, uh, first game of the qualifiers, uh, rival New York Rangers take on uh, a very familiar opponent to us, the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, A lot of what I assumed the matchup was going to look like, but Rangers got worked hard the entire game. Did you watch any of that, Johnny? Oh, I I actually watched the entire game. I thought uh, Shashirkin not playing – is this an injury that he sustained, or is it something else? You know, obviously. I guess I he was outside, with... and, like, he was still in the arena. So I don't think it's anything COVID-related. So I, I'm going to chalk it up to actual injury. Yeah, which doesn't doesn't help the Rangers' case. But, again, and uh, you know, obviously the first goal, bad, bad, uh, maybe, you know, a bad breakdown in the defensive zone for the Rangers. Uh, got backdoored. Um, great shot by Slavin. And, you know, you looked at it, you kind of started thinking, is this going to be Hank's another, like, abysmal performance? And then Trocek rings a backhander off the crossbar. And that kind of seemed to wake him up because I thought Lundqvist played a played really had a good game. I thought he kept them, kept the Rangers in it. Um, for the, you know, you're kind of surprised that their game breakers didn't have a good one. Credit to the, to the Hurricanes because their decor is their decor is deep um, and they put a lot of pressure on teams. But I just like the fact that we're not even five minutes into the kickoff and we have a fight and two players that you did not expect it to be. Yeah, I, I saw the I watched the entire game live too, and 
I was ecstatic with the fight. One of the participants on the Rangers, someone we're familiar with, Ryan Strom, yeah. versus the savvy veteran Justin Williams. And what a veteran move by Williams. Um, there's no crowd. Um, you got to get the boys hyped up into the game right out of the bat. You know, old Mr. Game 7, who can't participate in a Game 7. I think there was a tweet by uh, Down Goes Brown that said, uh, just <laughs> Mr. Game 7 can't participate in a Game 7, has glitched and is attacking people, which cracked me up. Yeah. But that was. They that's, hit, that's a they, way to get a team throwing, into the game, right? Yeah. But actually, I think both, and it was, I, even before that, they were, both teams were blowing each other up. Uh, Brady Shea, which ended up knocking uh, Jesper Fast out, with a, out from the game, which I kind of think led to that first goal that his brain might have been a little bit rattled because um, yeah. that was his man that he lost contact with. Uh, they definitely got after it. Uh, I think Carolina feels a little bit slighted because, you know, people are picking the Rangers because they did uh, sweep the season series. Um, Rangers, listen, there's a lot of new – for a lot of guys, you know, it's their first playoff crack, uh, you know – you usually get amped up for it. So, you know, it's – we'll see Come go, who's in net for game two. Uh, you know, you kind of want to see a little bit more out of Panarin if you're a Ranger fan. Um, he, you know, kind of looked a little bit invisible. Really? I, I think the opposite. I thought he had a great game. Um, when the play picked up and got physical, he was making some great plays just to get the puck out of the zone. Um, I thought he stabilized the Rangers in the first period when – they were just getting slaughtered and lit the oh, hell man. up. And and there was a, a lot of players. I mean, Julian Gauthier, who the fuck is that guy? And he did not look good. He was just running past assignments. Uh, I, I thought he looked awful. And honestly, a big surprise was Mika Zibanejad. He ended up the game a goal and an assist. He had points on both the Rangers' goals. But mm-hmm. he did not want anything to do with the physical part of the game whatsoever. He was trying to avoid any sort of corner play like the plague. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna have to change. One guy who actually didn't play bad was Mark Stahl, surprisingly, for as much maligned as he is. Uh, just a little unfortunate bad luck. Didn't on he the, score uh, on Hank? Yeah, it was a bad – it was a kid that uh, went <laughs> off the skate. Um, they didn't really – he didn't play bad at all, uh, which is, you know, for a guy, you know, that was pretty much, I mean, Ranger fans, doggone. You know, had himself a strong game, and that's going to be really that's going to be the key for the Rangers. Um, you know, I mean, with all due respect, uh, Ranger fans were running Hank out the the door right, after last game playing. Yeah, game, so. yeah. What's um, what's surprising to me is Rangers had five percent Vegas odds to win the whole fucking cup this year, the whole thing. More and the Islanders, they had less than one percent chance. Jesus, but before the season started. Uh, you know our good friend Joe Herman. Yeah. I said, Joe, there's maybe a 5% chance that the Rangers get past Carolina. And then he pulled the whole, well, they sweep the season series, blah, blah, blah. But if you see more of what happened in game one, I think it's a sweep. The Rangers might not win a game. So and don't let the score game. confuse you, too, because the score ended up 3-2 in favor of Carolina. But I want to say the Hurricanes dominated and had possession of probably 80% of the game. That had yeah, was just running around. Yeah, they had a uh, they had a rough. Rangers had a rough first. They definitely and they, they needed that. They needed to get the one goal in. Um, 
at least to kind of get some life back into it. But they're going to be there's there will be adjustments made for game two. Um, that's the one you want to see if you're a Ranger fan. You want to see a strong, a strong start. You want to have you know to get the first goal because you want to kind of settle everyone down. Um, Longquist channel says Longquist of old. Hey, maybe you steal game two. But as much as that wasn't the shock of the day, we had some other uh, stun stunners uh, later in the afternoon and at night. Yeah, one that was, uh, I think you were a little stunned by. I wasn't shocked in the slightest. There's uh, Blackhawks taking game one over Edmonton. Um, what a dominant first period for Chicago, though, coming out like the savvy veterans that have won Stanley Cups and that core that you had paid and wanted to keep together look great. They look rested. Um, they they look like they have a legitimate shot at taking a run at this if they can stay healthy. Well, that was their key. Was that you know Crawford was injured, Taze was injured. They're both back healthy. Yeah, Duncan the Keith looks rested. Man, yeah. he he had a great game. So even uh, he, he and he was one of them. But you know they got you know uh, Dylan Strom, you know the former third overall pick, um, finds a new home with uh, Chicago. He seemed to. He seemed to kind of fit, in, fit into a nice little role there. And then Dominic Kubalik, five points in your first, in your playoff debut. How are you? Um, yeah. And uh, the guy was able to go out and get, to get after it after the game. Holy shit. I mean, but. Uh, he earned his bubble beers after the game. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a start. I mean, that's, you know, they say the percentages, you know, if you win game one, it's like 80% you're going to win the series. So for Chicago to do that, and now you put a ton of pressure on Edmonton because it's in Edmonton. So the papers are going to be all over those guys. And if you don't think the pre- they're going to be a little bit pressure come game two, oof, God forbid they go down 2 nothing. They're going to be the, – it could be it could get ugly in Edmonton. I think so too. I just don't think Edmonton has the – the dogs to run the race like uh what chicago has and i i just i think the chicago is much deeper of a roster and you just see guys like kubalik and dylan strom come up in big times where i don't think you know i don't, I don't think james neal has much left in the tank and um I, I i just don't see edmonton pulling it out so that's me i said that before the series even started so that mm-hmm. was just me smiling after the first period but 6-4 win for Chicago. Um, the game after the Islanders, Pittsburgh Canadians. Um, Ooh. 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 You know, I guess Ooh. Canadians taking that Zach Aston Reese comment to heart where uh, Aston Reese said, uh, "Do uh, does Montreal even have a first line? I don't even know oh. who's on it. So, um, you know, hot start for... Uh, from Montreal with Cockney Emmy and Nick Suzuki just blowing one by uh, by Martin. I uh, I was talking to is that what's the goalie's name in Pittsburgh? Right? Matt oh, Matt Murray. Murray. Matt Murray, not Matt Martin. We have Matt Martin. Yeah. But I was talking to some friends last night. Is there any better feeling than when you're coming in one on one on the goalie and you blow one by him top shelf glove side? Because that's oh, like yeah. strength versus strength, like. Goalie knows you're going there too. He could see it in your eyes, and when you just blow it by him, that's there's no better feeling in the world. There's uh, there's only probably one other better feeling, but if we're still a PG uh, podcast, we're gonna save that one. But yeah, you yeah, can't, we can't beat go into uh, that here. Yeah, you can't beat that. You know, <laughs> just to beat him, and even 
you know, with that, you know, with Murray, you know, there's been some struggles with him this year. He didn't really have, uh, I think it was uh, Jaros. You know, with, uh, no, who was it? Who was the uh, Jari's the uh, other? Uh, oh, Tristan Jari. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. You know, he was getting some time. So, you know, the fact there, I looked at one point, they're up 2 nothing. You know, Canadians are up 2 nothing. It's like, okay, this is not supposed to be happening here. Uh, How about that again, goal from Sid, though, from behind the goal line? Just playing chess with guys three moves ahead like Sid always is. Yeah. But again, the X factor in this series, and they said it, Carey Price. Price can steal you a series. He's better than what the pen, pens are going to put in at. And if he, you know, does his all-world performance, he is the goalie that can steal you a qualifying, uh, a qualifying round series. So... They're really the key for the every most of these games is goaltending. You look at Chicago, Crawford played well. Edmonton, Smith had some puck struggles. Um, one of them led to, I think it was led to the first goal, uh, the Dylan uh, the Ryan, the Dylan Strom goal. Um, your goal is gonna have to be, you know, they gotta be on their game. And you know, Price, he he's he not easy to beat. You know, Murray's had his struggles. Looked at last year against the Islanders, even this year. Yeah, you need your goalies to be money goalies now. They can't struggle because there's no room for error. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And if you're talking about X factors, you could almost break it into an A and a B for Montreal because you need Shea Weber to be big, nasty, and you have to have him just on the ice as a physical presence at every point he can. And you saw that in game one where if he's throwing bodies, there's no scrums after the whistles. No one's going after him because he's not a guy you want to screw with. No. No, not at all. And the other thing is you're getting, you know, you're going to get your, your, your contribution. Remember, they don't, still don't have Max Domi. I think he's still out right now, obviously, because of his, uh, with his diabetes, there's a little bit of cause of concern. But, you I know, thought he was in the Ryan, lineup. I thought he played. Was he? Oh, I didn't know. I, I know he's kind of back fit. with them. I'm pretty oh, sure he okay. played, though. Which, you know, I mean, listen, you got Brendan Gallagher. He's, he's kind of a guy that is built for the playoffs because he plays with an edge. But it's not like... Not like Montreal doesn't have talent. They do. It's they got a they got an all world goalie that he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna uh, give some shooters fits. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then last game of the night, uh, Calgary versus Winnipeg. Um, some controversial stuff going on there. Um, it, it, I don't know what's going on with Shifley, but he went down. Um, kind of an odd play near center ice on the boards. Um, he had two guys bearing down on him. One happened to be Matthew Kachuk. And from what it looked like on the replay, and it, it was too fast live to really tell, but uh, Shifley was uh, through on the brakes, was cutting up the boards. Um, Kachuk wanted to stay with him and, and make the play and, and take the check. And it looked like just from taking the edge and having been the third game of the night on that sheet of ice, where yes. it looked like Skate just kind of bounced off the ice, and as he was turning, just came up and hit Mark Shifley. Um, John, you and I have played the game, and we've played on much worse ice surfaces than what these guys have to deal with. Um, that shit happens. When you're trying yes. to turn on the dime like that and stay with a guy, you're not always keeping your your blade on the ice. It, it pops up like that. So no. Matthew Kachuk, uh, a notorious guy who's had some some questionable plays in his early career. Um, 
I wouldn't attribute that as one of those questionable plays that just seemed more like an accidental play. Um, kudos to him, though, um, shortly after his next shift, um, dropping the gloves right away with Captain Blake Wheeler. Um, honestly, a, a fight he didn't have to take. It looked very accidental, um, just given his background and his history. It, it may have come off to the Jets as a, a an intentional play on Shifley, but Man, kudos to him. Just drop the gloves. Um, old school hockey player. You'd love to have hey, yes. him on your team. And I actually think he won the fight. But he he landed on top of uh, of Wheeler, so well, it I, wasn't really much of a fight. To it be wasn't honest. much, but I think he he uh, connected with uh, connected with Wheeler at one point. I actually thought he uh, I, I'd probably give it to him. Watching the play, I couldn't tell if it was Shifley's ankle, a knee, or if it was it if it was a. Uh, a skate, you know, we all remember that Matt Cook incident where he stepped on, you know, deliberately stepped on Carlson's Achilles. Yeah. So it didn't look like this, but again, you'd almost have to really rewatch it. I know Paul Maurice this morning, um, ripping to Chuck. So uh, that's going to be, it's going to be a nasty series. Uh, that oh, I, I I, yeah. I'd expect some fireworks for game two for them. And man, Mark Shifley's an he's an all class mm. player. Loves the game of he's like one of those hockey nerd types. He, he is. sits down, he watches is. every single game. He and, is a hot. Uh, and I'm a big fan of his. So speedy recovery. I hope it's nothing mm. serious. Um, the game of hockey is a lot better when he's participating, and he's someone that you want to keep your eyes on and watch how he plays because he studies the game so well. Yeah. So. Um, either way, that was enough to take the momentum out of the, the jet sails and uh, Flames cruise to a 4-1 to victory with an empty netter. Yep. Yeah. Mangiapane. Yep. And then now we got the uh, – now you got three games. We got actually five game till today, three qualifiers, and they start the, uh, the old round robin, which – Talk about games that mean jack shit. I mean, the, uh, I, these guys aren't going to be – going full tilt will they yeah i think you're gonna have they're gonna have to go probably i would expect some of these games to be like your final preseason game only because kind of like the exhibition games that we saw you don't want to have because i think they reseed so boston yeah they might have been the one seed going into the players it might not happen now so, yeah, but here, here's the so thing. You is, get, do you really want to take that top seed and then you have to play fucking Chicago? Well, like, uh, think about that, too. Like, yeah. You know, you're going to have to start, you know. Well, I mean, you're going to that's kind of the thing you got to worry about is, you know, let's say you're the top seed or let's say you get a, You know, you get a team that just takes off you know, right away. And some of these guys are going to be playing a little bit, you know. Whoever's playing in these qualifying rounds, they're playing any, they're playing playoff hockey. They're already into it. Depending on how much rest they have, they're going to be ready to roll. So, um, you know, with this year, it's going to be it, it's going to be very curious to see how these games go. Because hey, you don't want a team that just comes out like a like a wagon in the qualifying and they roll that momentum into the into the quarters. Then yo, you might not. Uh, you might be in, there might be in a little bit of trouble and that's whoever. And that's exactly where I'm going with this is these round robin games. I, I would say they really don't mean much, right? I mean, you want to get your legs moving. You want to get back into, you know, playoff game mentality, but 
are, are you going to be willing to put it all on the line and risk injury for some it, literally meaningless games? I'm sorry, it's meaningless. They're meaningless. They're, they're, it's in certain so in some ways they're meaningless. Other ways they're meaningful because you look at right now. You could have a Carolina and the Islanders could be going. You know, if they both roll through, do you want to play those two teams? Okay, you know, but that's if this continues. And then you know, let's say Montreal. Let's say Montreal steals this this series. Do you want Montreal with any type of confidence going in? To you know, to you know, going into a series with them where just by beating Pittsburgh, um, which it still carries weight with players, that little little confidence, that's something that you know you don't want to have happen. That's why some of these teams, whether you know whoever, some, someone's gonna you know be the fourth place team out of this round robin. Okay, so if, where where I'm going with this and where I'm steering my example towards is a team like Colorado, like. You don't want Nathan McKinnon getting hurt in this round robin when he's the sole driver of that entire team. Yes. Like if if Correct. he goes down in the round robin, then yes, meaningless games and he's and you know for a fact that the entire staff is like Nate, listen, like do your thing but stay healthy. Like they'll, they'll flat out tell him this is meaningless until the the playoffs actually start. So, I I don't know. That's that's my opinion. I feel like that's what's being said behind the scenes. Which eludes me well to be. the whole, this is fucking meaningless hockey. But, hey, at least it's hockey on TV. Yeah, it's going to it, that's, I think the, you, you want to almost say is the is the uh, round robins a disadvantage. Yep. Yeah, I, I and I agree with that. Wow. Uh, but uh, then so, the final game, we got uh, Minnesota and Vancouver. That's something we'll, we're going to touch on in a little bit. Um be curious to see the youth of Vancouver versus the vets of uh, Minnesota. For some of them, it's kind of their last hurrah. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be as close to a, a back-and-forth series as we're going to get. Excuse me. I think they're uh, two evenly matched teams in completely different ways, so that'll be a fun series to watch. Yes. And then uh, we also didn't touch on Leafs versus Blue Jackets. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Columbus pull this series away. Wouldn't shock me. I mean, obviously, that's I think uh, Tortorella is going to win uh, the Jack Adams for the uh, for the effort he put in. Uh, he always a good uh, always a good post game or a you know, game day uh, interview guy yeah. that you know just says a says something that you start cracking up with because he's really got no filter and he doesn't have tolerance for uh, for dumb questions. So he'll have them ready to go. They, 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 I mean, if I'm Columbus, you want to win game one just to put the extra pressure on Toronto. Again, same boat as Edmonton. You're the host, Hub City. The media is there. They're going to go all in on them. They lose game one. for uh, uh, It's going to get ugly up there because, you yeah. know, you could Kind of in the same boat as Edmonton, right? Like, yes. The pressure's on to keep advancing while the bubble's going on in your, your home city. Yes, and yeah, you know, the media's that. not going to. The media won't be kind to them. I think that's something that uh, that's something that you know, you know, Toronto's got a shit ton of pressure on them because they had, you know, they made all those that all these signings. They're going to have some contract uh, restructure, some contracts, you know, lose some players this upcoming offseason because 
they're so top heavy in salary. So this might be, you know, if they don't they don't get go far this year, and especially past the quarters, you know, again, it's another failure. And now you start questioning: Is Dubas, Dubas is was he is he really the guy to be running that organization? Hey, did you see? Um, so the the NHL CBA had restructured their uh, their contracts, and the the minimum salary for NHL guys was increased. Mm-hmm. So something that I don't think was ever considered, but this ties into the salary cap and and how you're managing a team. But guys like Marner, where they were making actual NHL minimum, and then on July 1st getting their big giant paychecks. Mm-hmm. Someone like him in the later years of his contract, the NHL minimum salary cap has gone up. So he's actually taking more of a salary hit than what was originally intended. They're gonna have well this this uh this COVID thing right now really put a lot of put a lot of organizations in the league behind the eight ball because you know you probably have the refund fan you had the refund fans their tickets. You don't have any playoff money coming in. You know, they do still they still have the TV contracts, which is a which is good, but you don't have that extra revenue where you can maybe have the cap at like an eighty-two or eighty-three, which would give some teams a little bit more flexibility. Sure. This, yeah. So this is this is where this upcoming one, they're gonna have to really like certain teams, Islanders being one of them, um, Toronto's another. Some teams are gonna have to kind of get, you know, figure out how we can get creative with um making sure everything works you know whether it's bridge deals for some guys um unloading contracts yeah so you're gonna have to start kind of looking at that as well but sure. yeah you know i mean the real winner is whoever doesn't win this uh doesn't make it out of the qualifying round they're gonna get the number one pick good another another head scratching move by the nhl as Jeff Merrick says, I, I root for chaos, so I, I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. So the the three games that were are going to go on today, the qualifiers, uh, we'll break them down further next podcast. Um, the round robin games, um, I'll probably watch the the Flyers blue uh, Flyers and Bruins just because those are two heavy teams. I'd expect it to be some entertaining hockey at least, but. Um, mm-hmm. I think from both of our our ends, uh, the round of robins will be maybe watch, maybe not, just depending on what we got going on that day. Yes. So we'll we'll touch on those next episode. Um, And then we wanted to end the episode instead of doing our typical beer league topic of the week, which uh, we're unable to do at the moment. We want to touch on the the pregame ceremony that happened in Edmonton where – it happened right before the Chicago versus Oilers game. Um, something I'm not too happy with. Um, if you don't want to listen into this, we're, we're giving you the option here to cut it off and end it. But it's something that John and I wanted to touch on. So before the game, um, Matt Dumba delivered his speech uh, regarding racism, systematic racism around the world specifically, and the Hockey Diversity Alliance, the HDA, something that he was a founding member of and uh, their role within hockey to end racism. No issue with that whatsoever. The issue that I did have, and you feel the same way, and we're going to really talk about this because it's something I was disgusted with, was him kneeling for the U.S. National Anthem and then standing for the Canadian National Anthem. So um, 
I want to preface this with when the whole kneeling thing started with Colin Kaepernick, I was completely against it. Um, and admittedly so, I was one of those uh, all lives matter, what the hell are you talking about, and stand for your flag and salute it. Until, um, fortunately, one of my black friends called me out on it. And he pulled me aside. We had a private discussion on it and said, hey, I want to explain our point of view, how we feel about it as a, a black community and take it for what it's worth. And if you don't agree with it, then sure. But at least listen to our side of the story. So um, I know I knew this person very well. Um, someone that I, I believe to be, you know, very smart, having sound logic. So I was all about it. So the way it was explained to me is if you take something like talking about ending racism and police brutality offline away from the grandest stage, mm -hmm. the people that really could have an effect to change that will not be listening to it. So when I heard that, I'm like, you know what, that that does make sense. So do it on the grandest stage where everyone's watching and you're going to create a buzz from that. So that, I, I mean, I did agree with. I, I still don't like kneeling for the national anthem. That's just me that has old glory tattooed on my chest. Uh, I'm just, you know, supporting our troops. So I will say I, I was understanding of that, and I, I respected the whole kneeling thing after that. So um, I, I understood where it was coming from. I had no problem. Uh, I, I would like to live in a world where there is zero racism and you know, every single person has a fighting chance to to make their mark in the world, and you don't have things like police brutality and um, just where you live uh, that are, you know, you know, just the the system as a whole just fighting against one specific group. I'm not about that, mm -hmm. so I was good with that. My big problem is fucking Matt Dumba making this speech. A Canadian-born player whose experience in early life racism is all in Canada, kneeling for the U.S. national anthem, but standing for the Canadian anthem. Like, up until he became a paid NHL player, lived in Canada. I, I don't understand it, John. I really don't. I, I really want you to weigh in on this, too. But I was disgusted by it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if any American-born player just runs this guy through the glass because flat out, that was just uh, disrespect. Um, I think as time went on with over, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, you're starting to kind of see that there's a different agenda which was completely different from what the original stated goal is. And the biggest thing is they want to destroy the nuclear structure. Now, for Matt Dumba to come out and make a speech, you're Canadian. Every problem, there's been a, some very notable incidents that have occurred in Canada. I think there was an incident with Wayne Simmons in London, Ontario at a game. You try to talk about America, but the prime minister of your country was caught in blackface in college. I've never done that growing up at all. So for you to sit and come on this stage, kneel for ours, but yours, you're going to give a pasta, I got a big issue with. My other issue is that, as you've seen across the country, the increase in crime. And if Black Lives Matter so much, they would be asked 
they would be protesting in Chicago, in New York City, where you're getting children nine months, a year old, nine years old, you know, teenagers, they're getting gunned down. That's the problem I think that some people have is, and when they say all lives matter, all lives do matter because there are, pe- there are white people in poverty. There are, there are people in the, in the black community that have to live in the inner city that are good people. And they don't need to be held hostage by the, uh, the neighborhood criminal. And that's something that we don't have a, an honest discussion with. Um, yeah, but I, the- so uh, here's the thing is uh, we both grew up in areas that are hyper segregated and segregated towards us being white people. So I actually no, I actually pretty much I actually did grow up in a diver- in a community that was pretty diverse. It was a, it was a blue collar town. Um, so, you know, we never really had that. But, you know, I mean, we never really I guess you couldn't say like had a privileged um had a privileged upbringing you know and they talk about hockey and i was reading some of the comments you know how we have to make it more inclusive hockey let's be honest youth hockey's the only way you can play it is if your parents either are loaded or they sacrifice whether it's a family vacation work their bag off to put the annual fee in and that's something that maybe we got to start looking if you're looking to grow the game Grow the game so that it's just not for the for the for the people with the bucks. You know when you're when you got to when you, you know you're basically stopping to play the game because it's just getting too expensive. Well, why is it getting so expensive? Like we've never uh, we've never we've never kind of you know dug into that issue. Why why is the sport so expensive? You know, basketball. You just need a hoop and a ball. You can make and you can make a hoop. Um, with hockey, no, you need a rink. To go skate on because let's face it, you gotta skate on ice, you know, equipment. If you're cost effective, yeah, you could probably have, you know, seasons where it's not as much. But you know, hockey really, it's a, it's it's an exclusive game that you know it's not for everyone of every community, of every socioeconomic background. Also, and not just the the tuitions to play hockey, which if you're gonna try and play a traveling hockey, it's very expensive. Something I've seen more of a stigma in the U.S. than in Canada is uh, the the equipment that you're wearing. Skates are a thousand bucks now, oh. six or three hundred bucks a pop. And let me tell you, if you're playing travel hockey and you're using a knockoff brand or something that isn't the top of the line, your teammates are roasting you. And if anyone tells you different, they're fucking lying to you. And that's just a straight up fact. And that's what hockey is too. It's it's what equipment are you using? I mean, you see it. You know what brand clothes are you wearing in school and by kids? Same thing happens on hockey teams in the locker room too. Don't be fooled oh. if someone's telling you differently. Oh no, you always look at like the sticks. Like you know, I remember you know just an aluminum two piece two piece stick was like wow. Like I hit the lottery. Um, now it's all oh, a one piece stick, and every kid from. Youth 7th, 8th, all the way up. Ah, you're getting a $250 stick that, yeah, you might be busting after, like, one game. So, well, there went 250 out, you know, out the window. Uh, to, for, for 30-day that, warranties, man. Well, yeah. They usually bust while, that at 31. Yeah. yeah, wait till that 31st day when you break up. Bye-bye. You know, no, no, 
no no return money for you so but there is a stigma with the equipment um i remember uh, you would get like equipment at the beginning of the year hey uh christmas eve hey go get those gloves um we're gonna wrap them up we're gonna put them under the christmas tree here you go here's here's a gift from santa so um we used to do that um I do think the skates should be an important are important thing to have. Some of the prices, I mean, you look right now, they're all custom skates. Um, you know, they're all over a grand at least. Um, the helmets, uh, I get it. They're all, everyone's worried about concussions right now. I don't think your kid should be probably playing in a hundred fifty dollar helm helmet. Gloves probably don't need to be spending over it. And listen, not every year do you need new equipment. You know, you should be able to get through a couple of years unless your kid turns into Swash Sasquatch in one summer where he, you know, grows like four or five inches. Then, well, yeah, you probably should get the kid new equipment. New skates almost every year. At least that was the case for me growing up as my yeah. feet kept getting bigger and bigger. But, no, it's, it's an expensive sport. And um, how you combat that, it, you really need these players that are making multi-millions giving back, right? These players, listen, a lot of these, you know, I think it's hard for the average person to bust their ass to watch all these athletes. They're making a million dollars. You know, I mean, you look uh, last week, Mookie Betts signs a $350 million contract. He makes more than I think you and I do. In uh, a year, in a, probably a day. And in 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 maybe in like an inning or a game, in one game. <laughs> And then they're going to talk about that. Um, do I think they have to be, you know, role models? Should they be role models? Yeah. You know, the one thing about hockey players, and it's across the, it's across the spectrum compared to other sports. They're all team guys. They don't, like, bring in notoriety to them. Maybe if Vander Kane's the only one that pushes the edge a little bit. But really, everyone else, they don't sit. Um you know, you look at P.K. Subin. That guy does more charity work than I think I've ever seen from anyone. And his biggest thing, he doesn't do the, the claim to fame for it. It's all under the radar. And that is something that you don't hype up. Is this guy's doing, you know, just him as a person. And that's a guy that you should be, is a role model. Just like if the person that works two jobs, that's a role model. You know, your role models aren't, you know, your celebrities. Because some of them really have no clue about what real life exists like. You know, look, I mean, look at all the cele you know, these actors, actresses, musicians. They're, they're basically made useless right now. Some of these, now some of the sports, hey, you're getting back into your job. But the role models are your parents or family members or friends that, hey, are doing the right thing, trying to better, better themselves and stay in the line. So I want to jump back to a point that you made before. It was uh, in All Lives Matter, how you grew up in a diverse and uh, not so segregated town. Mm -hmm. How much of your education were you learning events like Black Wall Street, like um, how the 13th Amendment really rolled out and, you know, how basically slavery just essentially became, you know, incarcerating people? How much of that was taught in the town that you grew up in? Uh, we didn't really learn about Black Wall Street. Um, it's also so long ago with like, I guess, elementary school and even high school. Like I could barely tell you um, anything. A lot of it's what I've learned recently, like even the June 19th that came out. This one, 
like, you know, learning about that. Um, I do think the educational system, you know, they don't sometimes they don't want to tell the whole truth um, with, with, you know, with certain aspects of a. Uh, of the early origins of America, you know, because, you know, people forget that there were Irish that were actually slaves too. And there it's like the one group that maybe isn't talked about, you know, and that fact that slavery still exists in this world, you know, if you got to go to other countries, it still exists, which is, I, I guess kind of shocks you in a way, but this, and there are still, still segment countries that's, it still exists. And, uh, I, I'm just completely against it. But where I'm going with that is th those are prime examples. Cause I was the same way where I recently learned about events like this and it just wasn't taught. I mean, that's an example of, you know, systematic racism. So you bring up the point, all lives matter. They do matter. It's just mm -hmm. at the current point, there's in oppression against a certain group. And uh, I'd like to be a part. Uh, I mean, we I, haven't talked about this publicly, but um, no, you know, I can't I, even I, say I'm, I don't know if you can even say, I don't know if you can even say that. I mean, you know, I mean, you did have a black president that was elected twice. You have, you know, congressmen, um, you know, presidents of universities. Well, I'm not saying we haven't advanced. I mean, we're, yeah. we're coming, we're going in the right direction, mm -hmm. but there's still work to be done. There is work to be done. I also think that we also got to um, take a look at, you know, I mean, really how, what kind of society do we want? You know, something we might have to have some hard, some hard truths, you know, some hard talks that maybe sure, people yeah. don't want to see because, you know, right now, I mean, you look at New York City. I mean, New York City's it's done. And, you know, before you moved out, how you would go to Times Square, you would walk around, you know, go to the city, New York City around Christmas time to see the tree and do a little window viewing. Those days are not ha those days are gone. And I don't see how, you know, how that happens. And like, if it doesn't anger you when, you know, a you know, young girl has to watch her father get murdered in broad daylight, like that should just, it should anger everyone. And that's, I think what maybe is getting lost in all this is that, you know, you do have police officers that, you know, they do want to try to make an impact on the community, you know, and right now our politicians, they don't make their job any easier. They have asinine laws. I mean, I, just to start this stupid mask thing, whether you're an anti-masker or not, you know, trying to enforce that. I go, we've been, you know, in COVID for five months now. We're been lied to. What? Do, what is this? Is a mask gonna? Is a mask? A, the mask gonna save us from COVID? If it can't, if an underwear cannot contain a fart, and I gotta wear a mask that's something similar material. Is it really worth wearing? The right mask, yeah. Oh, yeah. I no, mean, we if, if, we, if we would no, stop we playing this being a, a political ploy okay. and actually wear the right fucking mask, yeah. this thing could have been contained already. It could have been. And that's um, shitty leadership I, from up top. Yeah. And, and even in uh, the state, this is me just, who, who primarily steers towards a Republican point of view. Yeah. This got botched from the top down. Yeah, this the whole thing. That was shitty uh, leadership. Right. It's been a, it's been a, the, the whole thing's been a mess. And, um, you know, the mental health, I think the, the biggest thing is the mental health, you know, you know, schools are not even open up right now. So it's, 
this whole thing. I, I don't want to just... keep going down this because we we could talk and we can oh, talk yeah. politics for a while, and that's really not what our our show is about. No. But um, I, I just really wanted to address this because this this wasn't a a movement for equality or ending racism. Um, oh. This is just a, a Canadian kid disrespecting the U.S. flag is what it was. And it... and if you want to message me either through uh, Twitter as the, the Islism podcast, or if you want to message me personally, you, you could find my, my info on Twitter. Yeah. I, I, I will engage in a discussion with you because I, I'm still kind of trying to digest this and figure out what the fuck it mm-hmm. is, but I, I'm still pissed over it. And I, I didn't yeah. take this um, as a, a movement to end racism. I saw it as a Canadian kid taking a shot at the yeah. U S flag who grew up playing international competitive hockey, hating U.S. And that's a, that's an absolute yeah. fact, because yeah. if you ask anyone who competed for Team Canada, they absolutely hate USA hockey, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's competitive oh. glory. That's just a part of our sport, and I accept it. So I, I'm not talking about the, the message that Dumba stated about ending racism. I, I very much support that. I'm very much against him kneeling for one anthem, standing for the other. Yeah, and especially that's and, that's, it's, and it's a bit, bit, it's a bit hypocritical that you're going to kneel for ours. Number one, you're not even, you know, you're, an Amer- you're not even American citizens. So quite frankly, piss off. But when you know there's no injustice in Canada, like you might want to. You might want to look in the mirror, maybe look at the Canadian, you know, what the Canadian, how Canada has been. And if they're not, you know, you know, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. You might want to just check that. Yep. And I, I lived in Canada. I played hockey there for three years. You are absolutely right about that. And these issues are as prevalent or even worse in Canada. Just it's not necessarily the equivalent of African-Americans. It's the indigenous and um just a different group of people of color in Canada correct persecuted and judged upon. And yeah. if you want to call me out on that, by all means, I, I have more than enough evidence with my own eyes to support that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, John, I'm sorry, we even had to go down this route, but it had to be addressed. It pissed me off. It pissed you off. And it pissed- we, we will not be talking about this after this show no. going forward. Yeah, we just wanted to address what recently happened. Yeah, like I didn't mind. I didn't mind the players standing intermingling arms. All right, I'm fine with that. Everyone stood for for it, but if you're going to kneel, you know, it's. I remember a couple of years ago, it was a pro football game. Players kneeled for the American anthem, but stand for the for the for the, for the English anthem. Uh, did you guys sleep through history? Like we actually broke away from them. So why are you standing for theirs? Like. I mean, do we got to have, do our history teachers have to do a better job? That, that's kind of the yeah. stuff that just, it just baffles you. Like, is our educational system, are we really getting our money's worth from that? And that's a topic that I really don't want to go into. It's August, sure. it's playoff yeah. hockey. I just want to sit right now, enjoy that. So listen, hey, t- learn everything you can about everything about history. Because I, I love history. I, I think it's a real telltale way to to learn your past and figure out where we've come, the road that you've taken, and the road that you want to take. Like, develop your mind, figure out it, exactly your your stance on 
uh, on policies, on uh, on your politi- on your politics. But man, if you're gonna if you're gonna stand or kneel, just be fucking consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is all I want to say. And, and listen, also- uh, just learn that Black Lives Matter. It's not necessarily like it's a it's a Marxist group. It's a group I'm against, but I'm very much for Black Lives Mattering, the actual concept of individual lives. So. You, you see that a lot where the two get confused. Just just know where you stand on it. Just do your research. And, you know, just if you still support racism, like, please just send me a message. Uh, let's talk this out because it, it has to end. Yeah. And I said, say a party's gay. It's probably not going to. I know, right. but, but that's the thing. And, like, even the whole, like... I prefer standing. I'm going to stand alongside of you. Um, okay. I, I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to bow. But I am going to stand by your side and and support you as a group. But you, John, you're right about this. Is there's always going to be hate in some people's hearts. But all yeah. you could do is just you know stand up and educate and and advocate for it and keep jamming it down people's throats. And and that's it. It's just you have to keep trying to correct it. And it, it starts with us, right? Yeah, listen, There's no other place. Treat, it, it's got to start here with us now. Treat people how you want to be treated, and you know you'll get you treat how you really treat people how you want to be treated, and then you should be fine in life. You know, yeah. and us being like, so I gotta be honest, being you know, I probably don't have, I really don't have nothing in common with someone that comes from an upper class lifestyle because everything I'm in my in life, the same boat as you, yeah. Everything in my life has been worked for, and that's really why, you know, blue-collar people, I can relate to more because everything, and I still do, I work my ass full for. So, but enough uh, non-hockey talk. I think we uh, probably this we should probably wrap up now, you know. It's one thirty-five, almost one forty. We got a 2 o'clock uh, qualifying game comes up, and I think we want to get back into the greatest sport to watch and the greatest uh, tournament that major sports has to offer. Absolutely. Okay. Until next time, John, uh, let's figure a couple days, maybe uh, yeah, three, four days from now, we'll catch back up. We'll record again and we'll keep this more on uh, the hockey terms. Sounds good, Gabe. All right, brother. Keep your head up. Keep your stick down and let's go Islanders. Let's go Islanders. Go Islanders.